Well, we're gonna we're gonna finish we're gonna finish the uh, the uh, series here today on uphill habits, uh, and so uh, we've 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 done this for the last four weeks, and I'm gonna try to be mindful of your time. Uh, uphill habits. Most of us, if you're taking notes in your worship guide, most of us, and we filled this out every week. This particular point. Most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. In other words, we've got pipe dreams. You know, we want to get in shape. We want to do all these things. We want to, you know, get out of debt. We want to do all of these things. And we've got uphill hopes, but downhill habits. We're talking about getting our habits aligned with our hopes and our plans. And we've really been talking a lot about God habits during this time. And there's a reason for it. And the scripture we've been using for our primary scripture is Romans 12 too, which says, fix your attention on God. Why would he start with that? Because let me just let you in on a little secret. If you put God first and you put those habits first that I would call God habits, he'll see to it that your dreams come true. The Bible says if, if, you'll, um, if you'll seek the Lord first, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so uh, it, it says fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Now, I grew up in a church that tried to change people from the outside in. You know what I'm talking about? That, that tried to get you to sort of line up, look right, do all that kind of stuff. That doesn't really produce change. So we're talking about change that happens on the inside and works its way out. <clears throat> Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Man, if we could succeed in this culture that we're in of raising up mature uh, people, we could really stand out as lights in this generation. Um, uh, I love what the scripture said there. Don't don't, uh, go down to the level of immaturity of the culture around us. Okay, so Aristotle said that you are what you repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. You can say who you are, but who you really are is who you repeatedly do. Or another way of saying it is that we form habits, and then our habits form us. We form habits, and then our habits form us. We focused on week one on focusing on what comes first. Uh, And so we talked about how do we start our week, how do we start our day, how do we start our year. That's why we start our year at church with 21 days of prayer, because we're really asking God to bless 2018 in a special way, starting the day by spending a little time with God. We talked about those first 15, just spending uh, before you get on Facebook, before you doing those other things, but get into your word, read a passage of scripture, say a prayer, listen to a worship song, get your day uh, started out right uh, like that. And then Melanie came back the next week and talked about a very, very important Subject on controlling our thoughts. Controlling our thoughts. That's half the battle. As a man thinks in his heart, as a woman thinks in, his, in her heart, that's, that's who we are. Habit three was keep my life aligned with my purpose. This week we're going to deal with the last habit, and then believe it or not, next Sunday we are starting the series that's going to lead us right up to Easter. It's a seven-week series where we're going to deal with the seven last words of Jesus uh, that he said on the cross and uh, uh, so on this rainy, cold day, it's good to know that the next series is going to lead us right into Easter. Amen. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so habit number four 
is so important because it'll help you actually with the other three habits that we talked about. I, I can't emphasize the importance of this enough. And, and really, this has the potential of, of changing your life to the, to, to the betterment. Uh, and that is this. Choose my relationships carefully. Choose my relationships carefully. Proverbs 27, 19 says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. He says, you can tell what you look like when you look in a mirror, but if you want to know what a person is really like, look at the friends they choose. This is huge. This is huge. You basically are a reflection of the kinds of people that are your, in your closest friends group. Let me put it another way. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you show me your friends, I can show you your future. If you look at the friend group around you, those tend to be the kinds of people that you are becoming. And so I want you to write down four verbs today in your worship guide that are going to have to do with relationships. And uh, the first has to, ha- has to do with what's already positive and important in the relationships that you presently have. And that is this. Nurture my important relationships. The first verb is nurture. Nurture your most important relationships. First Peter 4, 7-8 through 8 said, um, The end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It's really important that you take care of those people who take care of you. That used to be a football commercial, actually. You remember that, Isotoner Gloves? That quarterback gave, that quarterback gave his lineman Isotoner Gloves because he said, I'm taking care of the people who take care of me. It's really important that we nurture those relationships. Uh, I was Uber driving the other day, and I, I picked up in West Knoxville um, a young college student. And she was just really, uh, really a neat gal. Uh, and, uh, you know, we did the small talk, where are you from? She was from Nashville and all that. And then, uh, so as we were uh, driving along, she said, are you married? Now, I'm not used to young women asking me if I'm married. Um, disappointed to find out that she had other reasons for asking that. But, uh, well, actually, yes, I am. But, uh no, she, she said, are you married? And I said, yeah. I, I said, actually, I'm, I've been married 30 years. She said, really? And then she started peppering me and saying, could you give me some advice? I've got a boyfriend, and I'm 19, and he's 23, and we're dating. Give me some, ad- give me some advice about marriage. And it, it, just started, it just started kind of flowing out at me. I said, yeah, first of all, Never stop dating. Never stop dating. I said, after you get married, it's really important that you keep dating one another. And, uh, and, 
in, in my, our lives, Thursday is, is, is sacred for us. That's a, a day that uh, Melly and I take off. You know, there's other things to do. There's, there's work that could be accomplished, but we take the day off and we do it together and we make sure that we go out on a date together. No kids allowed. Uh, and, and it's really important that, that, we, uh, that we date one another. And I told her, you know, for our 30th anniversary, we, we went on a cruise, and she was like, oh, wow, that's, uh, that's really neat. And then I said, you know, here's another thing. Don't go to bed mad at each other. I said, you're going to have fights. You know, you're going to argue. But make sure that you clear the slate. Um, uh, the, the Scripture uh, says that. Uh, don't, don't go to bed angry. Uh, I learned it in the King James. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Uh, it's really important that you clear the slate because if you don't clear the slate, you'll wake up the next day and it's worse than it was. She said, yes, that's exactly right. And she said, you know, that, that her and her boyfriend had had some fights and, and, uh, and they didn't resolve them and things like that. So, uh, and then I said, you know, after, after the kids come along, make sure you love your kids and everything, but make sure that your spouse is still the primary relationship. Now, I gave her all that advice, dropped her off. Young college kid. But that advice paid off that day. She gave me a $5 tip and gave me a five-star rating. And then she actually, no one does this hardly, wrote, she wrote a comment. Uh, and, and she wrote, gives great advice. I wish I had more time to talk and ask questions. Thank you for your encouraging and kind words. It's really important, it's really important that we nurture the relationships that matter most to us, that we don't take each other for granted. I have pastor friends that matter to me, that on Monday we're going to have lunch together because we do that every Monday, and it's an appointment that we have because we pastors go through stuff that that pastors can only relate to, and we uh, laugh together and cry together and uh, pray together. Uh, But it's important that I nurture those kinds of relationships and, and, and learn each other's love language. My wife likes cards. I don't like cards. I don't care about cards. But if I, but, but, so it's hard for me to think about giving a card to her. Why would anyone want this printed piece of paper? Why not just buy me a pizza? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just, but we have different love languages, you know? And so I got to understand what matters to her. And what matters to her is important. It's not important that I just do it for myself. But, but then she reminded me again the other day. We were, we were in Dollar General and we were in the card section. She says, I just love cards. And I thought, ooh, I can do it at Dollar General? That's great. All right. <laughs> Nurture your important relationships. Here's, here's, here's a, a, a very important verb. Restore my broken relationships. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's another scripture I wrote down. Romans 12.18, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Can I tell you, some of you are thinking it would be too painful to try to restore. Let me just tell you, the pain of restoring that relationship is less than the pain of living in that unrestored relationship that you have right now. Whatever work, By the way, these are uphill habits. I didn't say these are easy, 
but they're doable. So this is a habit. This is a habit that, that we need to say, in spite of how much it would hurt me to do so, I need to work on that relationship. Now, I read that other scripture because it is possible that you do your part and the other person won't play. And you can't do anything about that. Uh, and, and by the way, restoring broken relationships doesn't mean that you have to be best buds. You, you don't, you don't, you know, if somebody's been abusing you or whatever, it doesn't mean that you get yourself back in that situation. But in terms of clearing yourself, clearing yourself as much as it is possible within you, you need to restore that relationship. Because it's kind of a sensitive issue, I'm not going to mention any names because uh, this goes out, but I've had a relationship in my life that has been unrestored for probably close to 30 years now. And it's someone that I have to deal with. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not someone that I can just completely ignore or something. But I will say this. Early on in that whole thing, I did the best that I could to heal that relationship, restore that relationship, and all of those kind of things. And i got to tell you, this has been the weirdest thing. Just in the last six weeks, I, re- I had an opportunity to have a conversation with the person, and, and they, were, they were quoting things that I had said in years past, and, and positive things. And, and, uh, and they've called me like four times in the last couple of weeks for advice on something and all that. And every time they call, I just show Melanie the phone. I said, you're not going to believe this. Look who's calling. And we've talked and all of that. And i got to tell you, Hang in there because some some things are not a quick heal, but some things uh, over time God can really do a work, and it's just been really really uh, awesome to see God healing in that relationship. Restore my broken relationships. Now here's a big one, guys, and and uh, and it's hard to do. It's an uphill habit, but we need to sever any harmful relationships. Anybody that's been through any kind of recovery knows this to be the fact. When people fail in their recovery, it's often because they fail to sever the relationships, the friendships that sort of aided them in their addiction, in whatever it is that they were struggling with. The, reasons, the reason that prisoners have such a hard time with recidivism, going back to prison, is because when they leave that prison, they go back to the environment that they were in before, and so no matter if they were on good behavior in that prison, your environment matters. Your friendships matter. Who you're close to, who you're connected with is huge in your life. And it's important that those friendships that are dragging you down, it's important that we sever those relationships that are harmful to us. Amen. And and let me just say this too. I'm going to just pastor you for a minute here. There are all kinds of pitfalls in social media today. People that are looking for relationships. People that, are, that, that will try to knock you off your marriage course. Little flirtations at work or on social media. I heard about a couple that were flirting with, they were a married couple, but the, 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 they were flirting with people on Facebook 
they arranged a secret meeting, and when they arranged the meeting, they found out they were meeting with themselves. That marriage didn't make it. Can I just tell you, folks, no matter how tempting it is, no matter how good it looks, trust me when I tell you, it's not worth it. It's not worth the pain that it's going to cause in your life. Uh, The biblical advice for it is run. Run. Get away from it as quick as you can. Break the the person at work that's, you know, it's flattering to be flirted with. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh, and that doesn't even have to do anything with age. The, probably especially when you're older, it's flattering to be flirted with. But, but if you don't break those relationships, if you don't expel those from your life, they're going to cause you long-term harm and long-term damage. It's really important that we're around friends that are positive for our lives. Amen. Sever any harmful relationship. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. And then the last verb I want to share is initiate some meaningful relationships. Hebrews 12.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In the New Testament, they had meetings like we're having on Sunday, large meetings, but then they went house to house. And those house to house meetings were the, were the places where they met their friends, where they loved one another, encouraged one another, did all of the one another's that we find in Scripture. That's where those happen. We need a time, church, when we are not sitting in rows, but we're sitting in circles. There's got to be, there's, you know, I love church, and that's wonderful, but when we go to church, we're looking at the back of one another's heads, aren't we? And we need a, we need a time when we can come together and we can meet uh, in groups. You know why? Because every one of us wears a mask. We all wear masks. I'm wearing a mask right now. There's some things that you don't know about me, and I'm not about to tell you. But you know what? I've got to have someone I can tell. I've got to have some people in my life that I can share uh, what's behind the mask with. And so our purpose of our small groups, uh, Robert talked about the different topics and whether you liked a particular topic or not. Can I just let you in on a little clue? The topic is really not the point. The topic is the hook for what we really want to happen in those groups. We really want you to make connections and friendships and that at some point in those groups a mask is going to come off and you're going to share in that group what are you going to share you're going to share who you really are in a trusted environment we all need that we need those kind of relationships that we can share with that are positive all right so how are we going to master that habit we're going to uh, on the next side of the page mastering that habit number 1 develop my relationship with and this is intentional the way it's worded with my church develop my relationship with my church Ephesians 2:19 you are members of God's very own family and you belong to God's household with every other Christian let me just pause and say for a minute that um, it's okay just to be a church attender. It's, it's okay just to come to church and, and check it out and 
not contribute your your gifts, not uh, and just to receive and all of those kind of things because because sometimes that's what you need at church. You need a place to heal. You need a place to rest and all that. But let me just tell you something. You can't stay there. Eventually, you've got to come to a point. And I love when I hear it because because a lot of times when I'm talking to the new folks at the church, they'll say, man, I just love your church, Pastor. I love your church. And then I love when it changes and it says, I love my church. When it goes from your church to my church. Do you realize those are your coffee cups out there? Those are your donuts out there. Those are, those are your worship guides here. Those are your communion cups here. This is your sound system. Those are your drums up here. It belongs to you. If you want your church life to go to a whole new level, don't just be an attender, but make it your church. Make it your church. This is the place that I love. This is the place that I'm planted. This is the place that I care about. Um, and, 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 And I promise you, it will take your experience of church to a whole new level when you move from being just an attender to uh, becoming a member. We're having that. We're having that Discover Life class today. It's not. A, there's not. It's not a high pressure deal to become a member of our church. But we will explain to you what we believe and teach. Help you discover your gifts and all that. Give you an invitation to become a member. Whether you're ready at that time or not, you can do that at a later time. But we're going to try to give you ways and invitations to go deeper and to make it. Your church. I, I, I love my church. I, I really love this place. I love being your pastor. I love, I love all of you. And I think it's really important in terms of our experience of our church life that we finally come to the point where it's not just your church, but it's our church. It's my church. Amen. Amen. Number two, and, and this word I just, I'm going to just admit to you, it kind of intimidates me. Develop my relationship... <coughs> With godly friends. God, you know, when I think of godly, the godly is a heavy word, isn't it? Um, I, I love all of you, but, you know, I don't think any of us really remind me too much of God. But, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying I'm, so so let, let me kind of drill down on that for, for a moment in just a minute. But Matthew 12, 48 through 50, this passage really hit me during the uh, 21 days of prayer. We were here one morning in prayer, and um, I was doing my daily Bible reading, and I came across this passage in Matthew from the message. And what was going on in the message is that Jesus' mother and brothers were going to where he was teaching, and they were trying to get him to come home. Come on home, uh, Jesus. Uh, You've been out doing this long enough, and uh, you know... Me and Joseph and uh, the brothers would love to have you home. And, uh, you know, it's been a nice little tour that you've been on, but it's time to go back home. And Jesus said this, Who do you think my mother and brothers are? He then stretched out his hand toward the disciples, and he said, Look closely. These are my mother and brothers. And then I love the way the message says this. Listen to this. Obedience is thicker than blood. Obedience, you know, we've all heard blood is thicker than water. The message says, obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly Father 
His will is my brother and my sister and mother. So as I drill down on the word godly, which intimidates me a little bit, what I really think godly means in this context is that that I'm going to develop relationships with people who are trying to live a life of obedience. People who are trying to live a life of obedience. We don't always get it right. But we're committed to becoming people who live our lives by the word and by the book because we really believe that that's what's going to bring joy into our lives. And so it's really important that we develop relationships with people who are trying to live lives of obedience. If I'm trying to get better, I need to be around other people who are trying to get better. Amen. And so I'm in a big recovery group this morning with all of us who are trying to get better. Amen. My name's Phil, and I'm a recovering sinner. And then number three, develop my relationship with a team. Ecclesiastes 4, 8, and 9 says there was a man who was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And there was no end to his toil, Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He worked and worked. He made a lot of money. But his eyes weren't content with his wealth. And then Ecclesiastes goes on to say, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You know, it's okay to go visit the Grand Canyon alone, but eventually I want to tell somebody about it. It's okay to go to the Smoky Mountains and hike alone, but someday I'm going to tell somebody about it. I'm going to bring somebody to that spot. Um, I love, you know what I think one thing that's going to make heaven, 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 you know, we talk about how great heaven's going to be. One thing that's going to make heaven great is going up to Emily and saying, Emily, we made it, <laughs> you know, and that we're seeing it together. It's not that, it's not that I'm just I- I individually experiencing it, but that we're, but that we're experiencing it together. Uh, by the way, I have an inside um, on who's going to win the Super Bowl tonight. It's going to be the best team. The best team tonight is going to win. It's not, it's, uh, Tom Brady may be the best player out there, but he may or may not win the Super Bowl. It's going to depend on who the team is. And that's one of the things I loved about that little video that, that, that was played. They talked about their team. Uh, and I think that, that that's hugely, hugely important. Um, Coy Williams is in our men's group, and, and we, we meet on, uh, I think we might be moving it to Saturday. I haven't gotten final word yet, so we can include a couple more guys. But we've been meeting on Friday morning, studying a book called Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart, because we're wild men. <laughs> it's a good men's book. It's about the wildness in men. And... Um, it's wild and crazy guys. You've got to be old enough to know what I'm talking about, though. How many know what I'm talking about? Wild and crazy guys. Steve Martin, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and he gave me permission to share with you a story that he shared uh, last Friday that was just so powerful. It was just kind of our get-to-know-you group. We were having breakfast, and, uh, and I love having, you know, I, I've always appreciated Coy but I've gotten to know him better uh, since I've been in groups with him. In the la- and if you don't know Coy, he is the man. He is a really, really cool guy. 
he knows he knows the Smoky Mountains and the trails up there better than anybody I know. Um, he, he loves he loves uh, hiking. He loves nature, and he 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 confessed to our group. He said. He said, you know, years ago I was a Christian, but I didn't go to church much. And he said, it wasn't that I didn't love God. I loved God. I loved to worship God. He said, in fact, I would go out on these hikes, and I would worship God, and I would have great experiences with God. He said, I was going to church maybe about once a month. He said, then on one Easter Sunday morning, he said, I went on a hike. He said, I went to the end of this trail, and there was a rock, and sun was shining. He said, and he was just experiencing the majesty of God. And he said, I was just worshiping God out there on the trail. And then he said, a scripture came to his mind, which he said, it's not easy for him to memorize things, but this scripture came to his mind that said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. And he said to himself, where's the one another's? And he said, I went back to church, and I found the one another's. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Coy came back. <laughs> because, you know, it brings up another, it brings up another really important thing this is a really important thing to hear. It's not all about you. Oh, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, okay, you stayed home and you did that kind of thing or whatever. But can I just tell you something? We missed you. We missed you. We missed your presence. I, we were less today than we would have been because you weren't here, because you matter to our team. Amen. And then finally, develop my relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you will look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. We're, we're, at the, we're at the end of this, we're at the end of this series. And I want to put out a challenge this morning. Some of us, and maybe some of you, have, have sort of been dabbling with God, just sort of dabbling, just sort of like a, a foot in, just, uh, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go crazy with this thing. I don't want people to think I'm carried away, but, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll go to church. But, but I haven't really, what Jeremiah 29, 13 said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I'm a preacher's kid, and um, and I saw the church from an interesting perspective as the son of a pastor. And um, honestly, I learned to love God in that environment, but in some ways, I felt somewhat wounded uh, by the church. And I and I. I interpreted that into a decision of mine that was, uh, you know, I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm not going crazy with it. I'm, I, uh, I'm going to go to college and try to make as much money as I can, and, and I'll go to church, and 
that kind of stuff. But what I really just, I really just want to be a good citizen and blah blah blah. So I went off to, uh, I went off to uh, Illinois State University. Uh, my roommate that that year that I was, and I, I was in a very sheltered home. My roommate was really an alcoholic. Loved him, great guy, super guy, uh, and I think recovered from that. And, but during that year, I, I got to see sort of life outside of Christ up close and personal. And um, I was going to a church in Bloomington, Illinois, where I was at. And, but I was really also trying to fit into the university life and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember just the pull that I was having. And, and then there was... Um, and then there was, our church was going to be having a, some special meetings. They're like We used to call them revivals. They, they had a, they, we had a special series of meetings. And um, there was a Sunday night uh, service, and I couldn't go to church because I was working at Steak and Shake uh, that night. I uh, made shakes there. But something was going on inside of me, and I was really hungry for God. And, and there was something in me that was had growing growing distaste for playing it both ways. And so when I got off work, I figured that my church was just going to be winding down their service. And I was up about a mile away. I didn't have a car and it was pouring down rain. And I ran in my steak and shake uniform to the church uphill. No, just kidding. Uh, but I, I ran through the rain. Remember it very well. I got into the church just as they were given what we used to call an altar call. People would come down to the altar and pray. And I went straight down. I was I was a mess. I was I was rain, sweat, and tears. I came down to the altar. I just went all in. I just said, God, from now on, you've got my heart. You've got it all. And so I just want to pray as we conclude this series today and just put out a challenge. Maybe you've been dabbling, but maybe it's time to say, God, I'm all in. I'm going forward. I'm gonna I'm gonna start fresh. I'm not I'm not content sort of playing it both ways, but I really want to go all in today. So with every head bowed, if you want to be included in this prayer that I'm gonna pray today, could you just slip up your hand in this audience? Amen. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these hands that are raised today. I too want to just refresh and say, God, I'm all in. Here I am. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I'm, I'm tired of dabbling it both ways. And I want to put you first in my life. I want you to control my thoughts. I, I want, Lord, to be careful how I choose my friendships and sever those that are harmful to me. Restore those that need to be restored. Make church my home. Like David said, I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord. That's our prayer today, and we give you our hearts and we give you our lives.
in Jesus' name.